Welcome to Alley All Ears, a podcast from Houston's Alley Theater. Alley All Ears features interviews with directors and designers, playwright Q&As, sneak peeks, behind-the-scenes information, and more. Welcome to Alley All Ears. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. From our home to yours. Hello, Alley Cats. This is Liz Frankel, your director of New Work Here. The reason why my title ends with new work instead of new plays is because when I started in 2015, I had hoped that we would do a new musical. And so it is marvelous to now be in rehearsal for the world premiere of the new musical Noir. This is, of course, not the first world premiere musical at the Alley by any stretch, but it's the first time that the Alley has truly launched a new musical during recent years, at least. And one thing we've all taken note of here is that when you're working on a musical, there are just more people involved than when you're doing a play. And so today I'm in the studio with our largest podcast group yet. First, I have to welcome back composer Duncan Cheek, best known for Spring Awakening, but who the Alley worked with a few years back on the play with music Lover Beloved. Hello, Duncan. Hi, Liz. <laughs> and Duncan shares a lyrics credit on Noir with Kyle Jarrow, who also wrote the book. Welcome, Kyle. Hey, it's good to be here. Thank you. And we're also here with director Darko Tresniak. Hello, Darko. Hello. And choreographer Carla Puno Garcia. Hello, Carla. Hi. Um, thank you all for joining me. So to start, the title already says so much, but Duncan and Kyle, to start with you, how do you describe the show when a friend asks you what you're working on? Um, well, first we say it's the best show ever written. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, I usually describe it as a twisty musical thriller um, inspired by classic film noir. Um, and, uh, and then I tell them about the beautiful score that Duncan wrote. It's, uh, some of his, his most beautiful music, I think. It's really great score. And what about you, Duncan? How do you describe it if people say, ask about your latest? Yeah, well, I, you know, I usually, um, am very, uh, I can be very critical of, of the, of the plots of a lot of musicals, including ones that I've worked on. They can be sort of thin and narratively unsatisfying <laughs> and uh this this show um and and the story that Kyle wrote um is really exciting to me because it's this is such a great plot and a great story and it has so many great twists and turns and such a great payoff which I don't want to give it away but it's worth staying till the end put it that way Indeed. don't leave it intermission don't leave it intermission yeah. <laughs> Um, and this, I feel like, is why it's, it's been such a joy for me to even be in the room with you even this week. It's so lovely how much you two appreciate each other. It's so great. Yeah, a lot of, lot of smoke being blown around here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. Keep doing it. Um, and Darko, Carla, anything you would add of how, how you've been describing the show to people? Well, what I would say for the Alley audience is, is that it's a summer chill with music and with dance. Perfect. They, I mean, they took all the good ones. It sounds. Ex <laughs> it, I mean, I, I would. I would agree with all of them. And I usually describe it as an unexpected experience um, in the world of film noir, told through music and dance. Great tagline. So, Kyle and Duncan, this is your second collaboration. How did you pick this topic, this story? Well, you know, it was initially my idea, I think. Yeah. And um, you know, I I feel like with with musicals as. I'm sure everyone listening knows they're often based on source material. Um, and I think that's just because it, it's nice for audiences to have something to sort of latch onto. But I also really, really love coming up with original stories. So I was asking myself, like, is there a way to come up with something that 
could be an original story, and yet there is something familiar that an audience could could sort of latch onto. And it occurred to me that the genre of noir could be that thing. So there's something familiar. There's a genre that people are familiar with. And yet there was the opportunity to create a fully original story within that. Um, and so that was kind of one of the big impulses, as well as just a huge fandom of film noir. Um, and the other thing is that Duncan's music um, is just really evocative can be very moody, can also be very fun. But there's something about it that, I don't know, feels kind of noir. And I just felt like his music would be a great fit for the genre. So that was kind of the other piece of it. And I, you know, suggested the idea to him. And literally the idea was no deeper than like, what about a musical noir? Um, and he was he was down for it. And yeah, and that's kind of how it all began. Yeah, you know, Interestingly, uh, the first show we worked on together is also kind of a genre piece in that it's a ghost story. Yeah. Um, and so, and a lot of things that I've worked on subsequently have been in, in a certain way genre pieces. American Psycho is sort of a genre genre piece in a way. And it's what's really fun about that for me is I get to just explore a, a whole new sort of style of music and then try and take the elements that are you know, typical of that genre and, and kind of try to make them my own. So it gives you like a different sonic palette every time you're working on a on a new show. Mm. And then how did Darko come on board? Well, you know, we were we were talking about um, directors and, and who would be a great fit for it. Um, and I knew Darko a little bit because he directed my wife, Lauren Worsham, in um, in a show on Broadway, Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Um, which I had really loved. And so we knew each other a little bit in passing. Um, but I've always been a fan of Darko's work and also feel that he's an incredible stylist, that he really, one of his many strengths is capturing a style, doing the style, but then getting deeper. And, you know, Gentleman's Guide in many ways was a style piece that also went deeper. And because noir is obviously very stylish, it felt like there was something there that might resonate. So I feel like actually maybe I just texted you and said, would you be willing to look at something? And Darko said, sure. And then um, we, you know, sent it to his agent. And that was, yeah, it was kind of that easy, actually, I think. Yes. And uh, I'm grateful for it because I've loved film noir since I was uh, a kid, seven years old. I think I saw uh, um a Barbara Stanwyck movie, a uh, number of her film noirs, uh, Double Indemnity. And, uh, and then, since we're kind of making a cycle, um, they're just so confidently and self-consciously inside of their bodies, the men and women in noir, whether it goes to violence or sexuality, there was such a self-awareness about the movement. And if you think about like Rita Hayworth in Gilda, um, and in uh, The Lady from Shanghai, and Stanwyck, uh, Barbara Stanwyck in um, Double Indemnity or any one of those movies, just to see her walk across the screen is an event. And I was like, this is a dance musical. The extension of that was, it dances. We need somebody who's going to take this to the next level. A friend told me about this extraordinary choreographer, Carla Puno Garcia, and I looked at her website and I saw her incredible classes, uh, the, the things that she's doing with her students, and we met, and here we are. Again, you know, I'm just so honored to be here, and when Darko brought me on board, the 
what Kyle was saying, the source material for this project is the idea of noir. And that obviously like caught my attention and obviously working with Darko and, you know, having the um, creators, uh, Kyle and Duncan and those names. But but the idea of noir for a choreographer and for a dancer like the that just seems like the sky's the limit when it comes to a new work. And that's the exciting thing about creating new musicals, you know, when you have a generous team and a generous director um, to be open to bringing a choreographer in like myself, who I love sharing my perspectives and my perspectives and background in terms of choreography is just a mix of many different genres in my training and in what I've performed throughout my career. So I love being able to incorporate like different styles of dance, um, you know, from hip hop to classic jazz that you see in the old movie musicals and MGM and then to modern dance, you know. Um, and so I think as we're diving into this process, like it's just been really satisfying um, to get to explore that with movement and how it can help bring these characters and story to life in a new way. Yeah. And so Carly, you're the first choreographer to join our Alley Chat podcast. Yay, I'm so honored. <laughs> so that's exciting. So, so tell us more about what you do. I mean, you mentioned a lot of styles that you're bringing to the show, but what do you do to prepare? Like, what did, what did you do before you were able to get into the room with the actors this week? Yeah, totally. I think choreography is such an alien thing to so many people, especially um, in a musical when you're working with so many different collaborators. It's like you can't really talk about it so much you just have to do and show um, in order to really have everyone understand what you're contributing. So for me, I like to obviously like read the material um, and understand where dance is incorporated or what the opportunities are for dance to be incorporated are. Um, and then it's just understanding the tone of each moment of dance and what what story we're trying to tell in that moment and what the what the tone is for me that's really really important because from there the dance vocabulary is is quite easy for me to access if I know what we're trying to say in the moment um, and luckily you know this material is it's just really intriguing and it's exciting and Darko's direction is very clear and I feel very um, comfortable with um, the space that he sets to allow me to just be who I am um, as a creator. And he's very clear about what the moments should be or could be. And then he just kind of lets me go off. And so that's the best situation, I think, where you just do you, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Darko, what were you going to add? Well, I just realized something, you know, you can find yourself in a room and then something hits you because I work instinctually, but the genre, you know, flourishes in the 40s and the 50s in United States. Then there are great French movies in the 50s, noir movies, then in Japan in the 60s, in England, 70s, 80s. Uh, now, great work coming out of Korea. But the DNA, the beginning is 1940s. I was born in 65. I love these movies. You know, I'm a 56-year-old guy, but how do you pass these great ideas to a younger audience. And so it's wonderful to work with a choreographer who is several generations younger than me. And so within her, Carla's background in DNA, and she just mentioned, I think it was hip hop, you know, and I can't do that. But, you know, it's just so surprising how well it suits the genre and how you marry it and pass it off to a younger generation that might not be obsessed with Double Indemnity and Barbara Stanwyck the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> And and that 
is the really cool thing about noir, frankly, is that because it, it, it sort of evolved over these eras, the styles of music that you hear in noir also has evolved and changed. And, you know, I have a weird relationship with dance. It's, it's sort of a love-hate relationship, mostly because of my own inadequacy as a dancer. <laughs> but but, I, but I've been incredibly lucky to work with like Bill T. Jones mm. and Lynn Page and the Cooperman Brothers. And mm. what Carla is doing is every bit as exciting. So I've we, I've been blessed with these amazing choreographers, you know, to, to be able to work with them. And it's just so exciting to see because I, again, there, there's a lot of dance in built into the show, but I just, it never crossed my mind. There's literally a dance lesson in the show and there's this sort of fisticuff moments, let's call them, that become very choreographed. And and there's some there's something just, and then there's sort of the nightclub and that great trope of these dance set pieces that you see in noir films and in a nightclub. So there's all this great opportunity that's now coming to life in the show. And I I never occurred to me that that was going to happen, and it's so exciting to to see it happen. Yeah, so it's such a weird thing about developing new work, um, as I'm sure people listening know. You know, a lot of times when you're developing shows, it's actors at music stands reading scripts and singing songs. Movement, blocking, and particularly dance usually enter the process really late in the development of a show. And it's sort of this weird thing because we've been working on this show for a long time, Duncan and I, but we've almost only seen it with actors sitting mm-hmm. at music stands yeah. with scripts. And you can get a good sense of the story. You can get a good sense of the music. But in terms of how the show moves, you just get no sense. Mm. And so it is, it's always for me a little scary and exciting when you finally step into that first production with a director, with a choreographer, and suddenly the thing is on its feet, this thing you've been working on for so long. And it's always this moment of like, God, I hope it's like we all get along well and it's the right approach because we haven't really had a chance to to work on that. And anyway, it's been so relieving and exciting in this process that every time we've gone into a room, seen what Carla's come up with, seen what Darko's come up with, it just feels so right. I wish that was how it always was. It's <laughs> yeah. really not. So yeah, I, I think both Duncan and I feel really, really blessed um, to get to work with both of them. It's just interesting how, you know, again, more blowing smoke here, but you know, <laughs> Darko, when, when, when we, you know, when we finally found the right director for this show, you know, did this massive amount of research. And, you know, Kyle and I had worked on the show for a lot of years by the time Darko came on board. And then to be re-inspired by your director is, was just so awesome. And and so it's made this process like a, a lot more friction-free than other processes <laughs> that I've been involved with. And, I, you know, I hope that still is going to make for great art. You know, we'll see. Um, but it's been really lovely to work with everybody. So let's talk about that, Darko. What did, what did you do to prepare? Tell us about your research. Well, it's interesting um, because, as I mentioned, I've seen so many um, noir movies since I was a kid. But it had been a while. And the silver lining of the pandemic was that I had a chance to revisit the movies, to watch new ones. And so it was very immediate. And I think also I just reached the point in my life where I needed a reset, you know, that sometimes you do, you need to take time off and you don't want to be a machine. 
you want to really reconnect with being an artist. And for me, that means tons of time for research. And so, um, so I watched movie after movie, read articles, and specifically, you know, watched how this could be physicalized. Choreography, you know, projection design. Um, and then in a very, um, uh, in a very kind of interesting way, I would find moments in the movies themselves, solutions to like the problems in the show, or rather I should call them challenges. So it would be like, oh, Carla, let's look at this beating scene from the movie The Grifters, or there's a number I couldn't quite figure out how the scene ends. And then I saw the shocking moment from the movie, um, Oh my God, I'm getting old. I can't remember the title. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a movie where Lee Marvin flings hot coffee in Gloria Graham's face. And in our show, we do a d the opposite. It's a woman who does it to a guy. Yes. Uh, uh, Is no, it on your top 10 list? I don't know. It'll come to me okay. in, a, in a second. But, uh, but anyhow, it's a Fritz Lang movie with Lee Marvin and... Uh, uh, Gloria Graham, but um, and so it was great to have the time and to talk to these three wonderful artists about it. You know, yeah, so you watched yeah. like hundreds of movies. You told yeah, us during yeah, the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, mean, uh, <laughs> I made dinner, and uh, well, the discipline is great. You know, because on Netflix you can watch all of these shows. There's maybe three hours of story, but it's all stretched to eight hours. And it's just, you know, I appreciate the discipline of something that gets the job done in 90 minutes, beginning to the end. Boom. <laughs> discipline. Yeah. And for those listening, we have this great list of Darko's top 10 films in terms of how what most connect to noir. And so that's in our playbill and on our website. So now we're in rehearsal and it, it seems like the Basically, rehearsals divided into parts. There's choreography sessions, there's music rehearsals, there's Darko working on the scenes. Um, let's talk about that. So, um, yeah, so Carla, when you have choreography time, tell us a little bit more about that. Is it Are you sort of teaching people what's already planned in your head or is it, or, or is it different? Yeah, totally. For this process, we were lucky enough to have a little uh, dance workshop before we came here to Houston. Um, and it was three days, fast and furious, just throwing paint on a blank canvas you know, um, and um, testing out vocabulary and just responding to something. Uh, so so that was really helpful because then we could step back for the next few weeks before we came here to Houston and look at what we created there and 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 reimagine or, you know, say, OK, that was that was a good start. And then so now we have stuff. Now we have stuff to actually put on people here in Houston. And luckily they were the actors um, in the workshop were um, the same ones. So they also reviewed, everyone did their homework. So everyone's pretty on top of it. And um, that was really, really helpful too. Um, so, you know, there are some challenges um, in this first week and circumstantially, but we still are getting a lot done. We come into the room and usually my associate Connor and I debrief beforehand, but I'm a big, I'm a big in the moment choreographer. Like I think there's a lot of beauty to, and value to spontaneity. I don't love prepping for months, like working on a dance step for months. Um, it's more idea work for me. Um, and then getting into the room again, like vocabulary comes quite easily to me when I know what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather um, be with the dancers on the spot. Luckily, the cast that we have, their minds think very quickly and they they pick up 
quite quickly too. So I enjoy that for my process because I can easily change things or, you know, play in the moment. So I would say rehearsal um, is a throw up vocab dance vocabulary and also pre it's like a pre pro and we're workshopping. And then once something seems right, like I think that it can happen either in like 10 minutes or two days or a week, you know, like it all depends on like how the other. So I'm, I think that energy um, is really important when it comes to what, what feels right. And I think that Darko is the same way. Um, and that's yeah. why, you know, sometimes like, I don't have to feel like, oh, this took like half an hour. That means that it's not good. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, we had a wonderful experience a couple of days ago. Uh, the, the impetus was not wonderful because one of the dancers had neck pain. Yeah. So I had to set out. And it's a scene where his character gets beaten up right. by two criminals. And I was like, well, maybe I'll learn something about the show if I step in. Yeah. So, I so stepped, he did. <laughs> and it was wonderful to be beaten up by Carlos, uh, by our actors. It was. It and, made me a little nervous. But, <laughs> oh, but so, you were having fun. So. so much fun. And I kind of found like so much like... I mean, granted, it's sinister humor, but getting pummeled and trying to make it funny. <laughs> so it was a riot. I was like, oh, bring yeah. it. <laughs> I was like, I had so much but fun. But even in that moment, so you stepping in, like that was a surprise and that oh, was spontaneous. Yeah. And we yeah. discovered things in yeah. that moment, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that we might not have, like if it were any other things day. I would never know <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> the guy getting beaten, that it's actually a very funny comic bit. Yeah. How you, you know, how you physically yeah. control the body. Yeah. You Slapstick. Know. Yeah. A little bit. I'm just hoping that the actors, their joy didn't have anything to do with how <laughs> they feel about me. <laughs> Secret satisfaction. Um, and but and yeah. so what's it like then when you're rehearsing a scene? Do you are the, do you have the, sort of a plan going in and, and how do how do those yeah. sessions go? Oh gosh. Um I've directed so many Shakespeare play, plays and when you're working with thirty people or operas where you work with a hundred people, when you're on a clock with a hundred people, you have to have a plan and everything figured out. Our show is a little more intimate. And so there's always a loose plan. I can be afford to be a little bit more organic. So there's like, and it's all based on the text. It's like the choreography, the music of the text. So that I just see, you know, okay, here's where the props need to be handed off. And I just kind of anticipate, you know, because I have to juggle all the multiple arcs in my head. So sometimes actors will go in a certain direction and I will just kind of go like, you know what, it's going to get you into trouble three pages later. You know what I mean? So that's when I will go like, so that's the idea. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So there's a loose plan and then always being open to wonderful surprises. Um, there was just, in, we were in the room and uh, the guy who plays the neighbor, which is kind of our male lead, um, he did this thing jumping on the mattress and, you know, the scene had a, all of a sudden a very giddy feeling. Mm. And it never occurred to me that it would go that way. And it was a gift. It's wonderful. That's great. And, yeah. and Duncan and Kyle, talk more about your process and, and your experience in rehearsal. Well, um, for me, I'm mostly um, paired with Darko a lot of the time for, for the scene work. Um, and, you know, usually um, when you're working on scenes, you actually start with what's called table work, where everyone's sort of sitting around a table, reading the text. Um, actors get a chance to ask questions, clarify things. Every once in a while, 
you know, in that process, I'll hear a word here or there that feels a little weird and will make a change on the fly. Or Darko will hear something that strikes him as a little strange and we'll discuss it. And then, so, you know, I'm always there for that process. And then we do what's sort of called putting it on its feet or blocking rehearsal. Um, and usually then I'm at a table with the script and just sort of watching while Darko and the, um, and the actors put things on their feet. Um, you know, and then if I have thoughts, like I'll share them, but a lot of the time it's just, uh, me being there as a resource to them. Like today, um, there's a moment in a scene where, um, a drink is being poured. And so on the page, you know, that's just like one line, like she pours them drinks, but in execution that takes like, I don't know, 20 seconds or so. So we realized, okay, there's 20 seconds of dead time on stage where someone's just pouring two glasses uh, of a drink, like, you know what, I think we need like another line or two um, to fill that space. So I was there, came up with the line, and it ended up being a, a fun little moment between the actors that, you know, it was, again, one of those surprises, one of those discoveries. Um, so I, that's that's kind of what the process has been like I for me. Ca I call musicals, it's going to sound rude, but I call it the art of the suck up. <laughs> the moment it starts, you grab the audience's hearts and minds and you don't let go. So 20 seconds of dead air is very bad. Yeah. No matter what the nature of the musical, once you grab the hearts and the imaginations, ideally you don't let go. And, you know, so that's, so that's lighting, design, acting, choreography, but something always moves forward. So you cannot afford those moments. And and Duncan, what about you? How? So yeah, I mean, you know, at this early point in the process, I sort of think of things as like non-overlapping magisteria, and and especially for for me, because like for example, I wasn't really in the room almost at all during the the table work, but then Darko presented like the first. 40 pages of the of the show and 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 then i i can see it and i just have a lot of perspective that i wouldn't otherwise have if i was just sitting in the room the whole time during that table work so for me that's really useful to just see it put together um and then you know in, in terms of the music stuff we're lucky we have a, a great drummer um with us in this early part of the rehearsal process so and there's there's a lot of um a fair amount of electronic music we're using the software called Ableton. So it's a little bit of like busy work of figuring out how the electronic music is going to work with the band, which is like a string trio and piano and guitar and bass and drums. So it's about trying to figure out how those two things are going to work together. And then just like the busy work of like, oh, what key are we doing this song in now? Because I usually do pretty involved demos, but I'm singing them in you know, my, the key of my own voice. And then, you know, so we're figuring out how it works with the actors and restructuring things with the choreography. So there's just a lot of like technical busy work that we have to sort out at this early stage. And we should shout out to Jason Hart, who's yes. our amazing musical director. Um, so he he's sort of the day-to-day -day music guy, right, Duncan? Yeah, yeah. So he's, you know, teaching the the actors, you know, the songs. And again, I would, you know, I wouldn't, it's not my skill set or my level of patience to do that. So, <laughs> so I mean, and, and these guys are, you know, are really turning out to be great singers. So, I mean, Christy Altamare, I knew from Spring Awakening because she did the tour, you know, when she was very, very, very young. But, um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't 
know a lot of these other uh, singers except sort of by reputation. So I'm very pleasantly surprised with how everyone sounds so far. Well, great. And the cast, we have to talk about the cast because the great cast. You mentioned Christy, but I, I also know that Carla and Darko, you'd worked with a lot of the cast before in different shows. Tell us more about them. Oh, um, yeah, I, I have history with a, a couple, a few of the of the cast members. Um, Morgan and Morgan plays the wife. Uh, Voltaire Way Green plays the goon, and David Guzman plays the husband. And um, they were all a part of. Well, Morgan and Voltaire were in the original Broadway cast of Hamilton. And David and I actually joined um, six months into the run, and we joined as swings together. Um, Morgan and Voltaire taught us the show, so we learned Hamilton from them. And um, David inherited Voltaire's part as dance captain, and he understudied John Lawrence. And they all understudied, like Morgan understudied Peggy, and and Voltaire understudied Hercules Mulligan. But the Hamilton family is where we all um really got to know each other. And it's interesting because the dynamics have really just changed constantly with our um, relationship throughout the years. Um, You know, as far as like doing associate work together, Morgan and I did the Tonys. um, Then she was the associate for Annie Live and I was a dancer or we're dancing together or I'm choreographing a show. And she's, (laughs) you know, so uh, that that the dynamics have uh, changed a lot within our relationships. But, you know, Darko actually found me through my short dance films that I create, that I self-produce. And um, they're, those, those three performers are in a lot of my, my work. And so he was familiar with their work as performers as well. Um, they all had to audition, obviously, um, but they do know my, my vocabulary. They know my process very well. So I was really excited to, to um, just present them to the team. And, you know, like, luckily they, they do everything. So um, an opportunity like this was, it felt right. And um, I'm just excited to get that opportunity to work with them in this way as well. Um, Clifton, I'm newer. Um, he's newer to to me and us working together, but he's fantastic. And he was actually, I think, one of the reasons why I'm here too, because I think he he recommended me. So yeah, he, he he's did. in my court. So I think that, you know, like that's <laughs> that half the, 60% of a good thing, like a part of the relationship. We're on the right track. But, you know, he's fantastic also. So I could I'm I just feel so lucky to be in this in this um creative situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh Adam Cantor, um, who plays the neighbor, um, he never leaves the stage. He narrates the story, interacts with the other characters, has to sing. It's a big, big sing. Um, um, and then on top of all of that, he um, has to play the piano. So um, it's a very difficult role, and, um, and it requires extraordinary taste. And, uh, and um, Adam, who was in the band's visit, he sings that heartbreaking final number um, at the end of band's visit. It's just, uh, it was surprising. We had some really beautiful additions where people could fulfill the task of doing all of these things, but he was just exceptional, you know? And I'm very, when you have somebody whose role is that scale, you know, I'm kind of very 
uh, it's like whatever trainers do with, you know, sports figures. It's like I feel partially like a trainer pacing him very carefully, checking in with him, you know, because uh, he has to learn the music. He has to learn how, the, how to play the tunes on the piano. And then Christy um, uh, Altamar, uh, she was uh, my Anastasia. Uh, I shouldn't say it that way, but it's like a daughter <laughs> on Broadway. And it was kind of interesting, you know, because the team for that, I love all of them, the authors. But I realized that nobody was going to agree on anything, especially the casting. It was one of those things like, oh, my God, how are we going to do this? So it became kind of like a search for Scarlett O'Hara. <laughs> it was an ending. And I said, you know, somebody's going to walk through the door and there's not going to be a discussion. And uh, Christy came in and acted, and then she sang. And I could feel everybody's backs. You know, everybody first sat up. You feel the spines going up. And then you feel everybody leaning in. And she got the role without anybody really talking. And that is the most beautiful thing that happens in auditions. She's playing Scarlet, and uh, it's a very hard sing. And it's going to show off her voice in a completely different way. So I think we covered everybody. No, you know, oh, we, did, we didn't mention... And our baby. Uh, yeah. so, sorry, I love Sinclair. her. Sinclair. Uh, Who's new to all of us, I yeah. think. She just gave an incredible mm -hmm. audition. And it yeah. was one of those auditions where um, yeah. you're just like, wow, this actor understood every single intention and got every joke and yeah. every moment in the text. It, it's so... And yeah. she's I amazing. I think she just graduated like from school like a year ago and then... Uh, and I uh, looked up, and she's a versed Shakespearean. Uh, that uh, that ability to advance the text, you know, while ever without ever looking like you're speeding, it's just remarkable skill. It's just beautiful to watch. Yeah, she's really incredible. And by the way, like you said, she's really young, so like she's gonna probably be a movie star in like five years. So <laughs> we're working early. with her. The only window we'll ever get to, probably. But, but it's an honor. I mean, you know, I think that uh, in Morgan Marcel, she was also in Moulin Rouge. You know, the cast. It's uh, uh, it's it's kind of singing, dancing, acting, Broadway royalty, and I feel like. Uh, the actors that Carla introduced me to, it's like getting to know a lovely family <laughs> and being adopted a little bit. It's very beautiful. It is. It's a great group and it's going to be a great show. And this has been a wonderful conversation and we're going to end here because these, these folks I'm with right now have to get back to rehearsal. So thank you to all of you for joining me for this podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> and Alley Cats, you have much to look forward to with Noir. Enjoy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ali All Ears. Visit our website at www.alitheater.org for more 